0: It's just one of those days where you don't wanna wake up. Everything is everybody sucks. You don't really know why, but you wanna justify. If someone's head off, no human contact. And if you interact, your life is on contract. Your best bet is to stay away, mother. It's just one of those days. It's all about
1: Welcome to Talking Giants presented by Geek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Penick. We've got a, a nice long interview with Dan Duggan, basically 30 minutes, which we try to keep our camp interviews to 20 minutes. And so we hit most of the, the camp talk with Dan Duggan. So, uh, you know, you'll, you'll enjoy that. We're going to do some preseason things to watch um, and then some updates, obviously. Um, but first, I want to thank everybody for coming out to FanFest. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's a very fun event. It was very successful this year. It had a good turnout. You know, we, you know, the we had Nick Gates stop by Clem. It was uh, very cool. Clem, who's going to be on the show uh, mm-hmm. in, a, in a week or so. Uh, you know, uh, you know, some of the reporters, Arch Stapleton, Jordan Renan, both trying to get in there for the Tony Award. So yeah, it, face. it was just it was just fun. And then obviously, license plate guy and entertainer for doing the show with us. Those guys, yeah. those guys make it happen. So, but that was that was fun, and I, I can't wait till next year because that is definitely one of the more I mean, maybe the most fun thing we do that's going to happen yearly now is that FanFest event.
0: Yes, and thank you to the Candlewick Diner for also catering that. That was very, very cool. Everybody ate that food up uh, pretty darn quick. Um, I think it was also very, very cool, the fact that we had those speakers going. And that was the first kind of... Any form of media ever where we had people like interacting as we were talking and as we were going about our things. Now, obviously, we always have our Patreon stream, but we can't hear our patrons when we're talking with them live while we record the shows. So but that was really, really cool. Um, it's one of those moments. Uh, I, I've had two of them recently um, and I you know, I have, you know, you have to sometimes sit back and reflect on life and, and be thankful for things and also be proud of yourself. So for me, it was being a top 10 football show after the draft that that was like, oh, this is a cool moment. And then FanFest and having that show and having that, you know, 35, 30 minute convo with every, with not just LPG, Bobby Skinner and Christiana Tana, but also having it with everybody else too. That was very, very cool.
1: Yeah, definitely fun. I think everyone there had a good time. Um, you know, we've got, everyone got to check out the van.
0: Yeah. It was, it was a good time. And once again, just like everything that happens at MetLife Stadium recently, uh the parking lot was a lot more fun than inside the stadium. <laughs> yeah, but
1: the practice wasn't great. Marcus McKeithen torn his, uh, tore his ACL.
0: Yeah, of course. The second they step foot on, you know, they step foot back on MetLife Stadium, somebody has a non-contact major injury.
1: Yeah, so Marcus, I mean, Marcus McKeithen was a fifth-round guard who was practicing as the backup tackle, Um so... We have some news to get to with that. Yep. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll announce Patreon's on the next podcast because we got a lot to get to. Got with a lot address. to get to. We appreciate you, though. Um, so, Eric Smith signed. Do you, does anyone remember Eric Smith? Eric Smith was oh. on the Giants in 2019. Old friend. Uh, he came over from the Jets. He's bounced around a little bit. He was the guy who came in versus the Jets when Nate Solder went down and Nick Gates was at right tackle. So not very good. No, uh, no. He shouldn't be the giant swing tackle. But with Matt Guno released, uh, Marcus McKeithen's injury, they just need bodies to get through camp and let yeah. Josh Azudu practice at guard, who did miss practice on, Tuesday, or on Monday while recording this. But on Sunday, when he did practice, he practiced only at guard. And that's something we, you know, I ranted on on Friday's podcast, yep. is not only do they need a swing tackle uh, you know, just in case of emergency, you lose Thomas or Neal. Once the games start, but you just need to get through. You need to get through camp and let Josh Azuto work at his NFL position, which is guard. So, uh, you know, you bring in a guy like Eric Smith. So now they've got a handful of tackles, very bad tackles. I think that you I think their swing tackles probably still not on the roster. And he's on another NFL roster right now. Yeah. So. Once, you know, we deal with 53 man cutdowns. Maybe there's a swap with Slayton or, or something like that. But right now, I, I don't think the, the swing tackle's on the roster, but I'm glad they signed Eric Smith, even though he's not good.
0: Yeah, yeah. like you said, Sunday's practice was the first practice that Josh Azudu only got guard reps. Didn't split in between guard and tackle. He only got guard reps, did not practice on Monday, so we hope to see him out there soon. Um, and, of course, Brian Dable doesn't give injury updates. Well, yeah, I mean, Josh do he practiced
1: all day on, on Sunday, didn't practice I was on hoping Monday. That
0: would tra- I was hoping that would transition to an injury update.
1: Well, Andre, Andre Miller. Ah, there we go. Who's been their number two tight end essentially uh, the last few days, working as an H back? Uh, actually, not even the number two tight end, but just the starting H back. Yeah, he's been a starter. You know, Chris Myrick got like Chris Myrick has gotten more reps than him on, on normal downs. Who's listed as the Giants' second team tight end right now? Uh, he fractured uh, his forearm, so he's going to be out. And that's probably like a four to eight week injury. Sucks. Um, got surgery on it, right? Yeah, got surgery on it uh, on on Monday morning, reported by Bobby Skinner. How about that? So he it's now it's Jeremiah Hall's job, who we assumed had it at some point. So now Jeremiah Hall seems like a lock for the roster if he goes down. I will be interested to see though, because this shouldn't be a season long injury. I don't think Correct. With, with Andre Miller. So put him on a list. They will they because they could you see them putting him on IR and just and that would shut him down. Stashing for Stashing him. You know, because that, yeah. that, that's something that is used for undrafted free agents. I know Andre Miller looked like he was going to have a bigger role than your typical undrafted free agent. But that is a strategy that is used with – I mean, it was, that's what happened with Nick Gates in 20, 2018. Yeah, if you
0: want to keep both Jeremiah Hall and Andre Miller around, then stash him on IR.
1: Yeah, because you don't want to have to, you know, go through 53-man cut down days and you have both Miller and, and, Hall. and Jeremiah Hall. Oh, we were at sneeze. So – I, I do think there's a good chance he might end up on IR, but we'll see. It, it sucks to see. For I mean, it was just a great story. I mean, the guy was an undrafted free agent wide receiver. Wide at receiver Maine, <laughs> and was their starting H back already this early in camp. Not, yeah. not after just few of you know a, a month of just forcing his way. Like no, they noticed it quick. They thought he brought more than uh, Jeremiah Hall in the receiving game, and Jeremiah Hall's not, not was never the greatest blocker, anyways. Uh, so I really hope he gets better because that was, that was one of the more fun stories of yep. training camp so far was Andre Miller, Andre Miller's growth. Yeah, absolutely. He was a fun guy to root for. Uh, let's see. Do you, what, what are we at before we, I think we could just kick it to the Duggan interview here, right? Yeah, but we gotta, we gotta well, obviously. talk about some stuff first, Bobby Skinner. Do you want to talk to him? I want to talk, talk about Seagal Law Firm. Wow. Is it owned by Steven Seagal? I can't tell you. Seagal yeah. Law Firm is a New York City-based personal injury and civil rights law firm. So if Steven Seagal gave you a personal injury, you got to go to Seagal Law Firm. Mm. What separates them? They truly care about their clients. They have what they like to call a Jerry Maguire-type approach, where they pr- their primary concern is extreme client attention. Show them the money! Keeping you updated on your case and providing assistance with medical providers and insurance issues. They hire the right experts and put every case in the best chance to succeed. They treat clients like family and have incredible client satisfaction as a result. A lot of firms say this. They actually do it. Treating clients like family is just one of their core values, and every decision they make is run through their core values. The misconception that you cannot afford a lawyer is not true. There is no cost to consult with Seagal Law Firm, and no out-of-pocket costs when they handle your case. You don't pay anything until we recover for you, and we then share in a percentage of that recovery. There's literally nothing to lose. Nothing. Nope. Do not disqualify yourself from a case for no reason. It's always worth a call to Seagal Law Firm. Give Seagal Law Firm a call at 646-810-3337 or visit them at seagal-lawfirm.com to get legal support you need. That's seagal-lawfirm.com. And here's Tony Award winner, Dan Duggan of The Athletic. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. we got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we now welcome on to the van program. I'm I'm starting to get used to the van. We've got Dan Duggan of The Athletic, Tony Award winner. We see the Tony Award over there. There it is. We ended up scrapping. and I want to talk about the Tony Award, but because practice was so eventful, we'll save it for the end. We scrapped, like, half of our questions because of this practice was so eventful. You know, so we want to talk about the offense. First thing was the fight. How did Bobby Johnson get involved in, in it? You know, we saw Tay Crowder versus Feliciano, and then supposedly Cam Brown jumped in, who's good friends with Tay Crowder. How Did did you see Bobby Johnson get involved, or did you just hear that?
2: No, I did. So it's funny. I think everyone's perspective is different here at camp because you can be on one side of uh, on the sideline of the defensive players or the other side, or you can be in the stands at different angles. So I was – uh, like looking back from the defensive secondary at the the whole thing. So you obviously you could tell it was building. Uh, so the thing caught my eye first was Feliciano and Crowder, you know, just went right at it. It felt like dropping the gloves in hockey. Like as soon as that play was happening, they decided they were going at it. Uh, I think Feliciano threw like a kind of a knee uh, at Crowder.
0: I, I saw a little a little hop.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that was <laughs> it was getting it was like street fight stuff. But then, you know, every time there's one of these fights. It's 90 players and everyone's just kind of there's a little bit of a pile up, but usually cooler heads prevail and guys are pulling each other off. So, and we were just talking about before we came on air, there's the funny picture you'll find, I'm sure, on Twitter by this point of Cam Brown, who's kind of like a live wire. Not surprising he was involved in this. He's dragging John Feliciano out, and John Feliciano looked like it's like a, in a, a, a war ragdoll. movie. Yeah, yeah. Like he was like a you know, down soldier and he's just like pulling him out like dead weight. So, you think, okay, that's kind of weird, but like Feliciano seemed to be playing along with it. And that's when Bobby Johnson came over. And, again, usually with coaches especially, it's like they're diffusing things. He gave Cam Brown, like, a confrontational push, push to the chest. And so that was like, whoa, what happened there? And then in the in the interim, Feliciano gets up, and he throws a haymaker at Cam Brown, which always is smart, you know, if you're throwing punches at guys with helmets. And then Cam Brown back after a beat and threw, like, a haymaker back at Feliciano. I don't think anyone really connected. And again, they're wearing helmets. But to me, the thing that separated this from standard camp fight was a coach becoming, like, the aggressor. Because then even, I think, it was the inside linebacker's coach, which everyone calls him eggs. I can't pronounce his name. Agoragwu, I think. Sure, that sounds good. He seemed... <laughs> especially animated. I think he wanted to kind of, like, get in Bobby Johnson's face. So that's the part to me, like, getting the coaching staff that involved in a fight and not playing Peacemaker uh, set this apart from just the standard, yeah. you know, boys will be boys, it, it, camp it scuffle. What it wasn't the- Brian
1: Cox. Was You would assume, like, if a coach <laughs> yeah. was going to fight, it would be Brian Cox.
2: Right, right. He must be on his best behavior. He's been the league five years. He's, he's probably, like, low.
1: you know, sleeping. at going. He's not going to sleep tonight. Like, I can't <laughs> believe I didn't get in there and throw something. Do you see that, like, so we couldn't hear – what was Brian Dable's, could you guys, could you hear, like, the reaction from Brian Dable when they huddled him they up? They crowded no, around No, for it wasn't minutes.
2: the Joe Judge where, like, you know, you had to, like, you know, muffle kids' ears, like, last year at that fight where, you know, every other word was a four-letter word. No, I, just from talking to players after, and players always down, play this stuff, but the one thing they said was the message was basically, like, I like the physicality, because, you, you know, we were talking, you could see it was building towards that, and he's okay with that, playing on the edge, but... You can't have, you know, just people throwing punches and stuff because he, he said something I think Daniel Ballinger might have related that like, well, that's what losing teams do. Because, I mean, in games, this is what Judge's whole premise was like, it's 15 yards if you throw a punch and you're ejected and this and that. Um, so I think Dave at least had to say like, I don't, you know, I don't approve of that. But he did seem like he was not, at, he didn't blow the book at him. It was more like, hey. Got to rein it in. Like you're playing at that edge, can't go over the edge. Which you know, obviously they did in that instance.
1: That's and, something we talked about going into camp. Is not how does Brian Dable handle the first fight, but how does he handle the second fight? So I'll be interested. Well, was the that third can...
0: fight in that practice? That was the thing. Yeah, like... <laughs>
1: it was like one, it was like four plays were just one big fight. And you know? yeah, like yeah. I wasn't recording anything in team, and then it was just like they're going to fight on this play. So I'm doesn't
2: matter record, who it don't
0: is, somebody is going to fight.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and that's funny because that's what judge like. They had that fight last year, which was pretty ugly at the time, but that was the one and only fight because he, la- he certainly laid down the law. Yeah. There are going to be no more. So I would think tomorrow they're going to be in pads again. It's going to be hot again. I would think they'll dial it back a touch because and, and, you, you don't want it to become a, a daily thing. It's okay to have one of these, and they're all going to say, oh, you know, it makes us you know tighter. You can't have it every day because I think the biggest thing people don't realize, it's like the fight is whatever, it's you're losing practice time too. He has to huddle them up, and I'm sure reps got scrapped. And, like, again, it might not be a big thing in in the big picture, but it's just these guys, their time is precious. They don't want to be wasting time yelling at guys for punching each other and stuff like that. of course, you have the injury risk, with Feliciano, I think it's just so dumb when these guys throw punches. You're a center. You need your right hand. You know, don't throw haymakers at guys' helmets.
0: I mean, I think it is kind of a big thing, especially for this You know, that was the first team Giants offense that got involved in that fight. They were the ones that need reps. They need reps right now. So um, tell me where your brain is at with this Giants offense, because the thing that's most concerning and glaring to me is that it seems to be getting worse instead of not even just staying the same. It's getting worse.
2: Yeah, it's so hard because you're out here every day and every coach and everyone always tells you, like, oh, it's training camp. It, yeah. yeah, Don't evaluate. You know, Sometimes we want them to do things that you might not understand. So you always have to try and remind yourself that, but then you get out here and you're watching. Well, that, that you have a natural reaction just as a football fan, football mm-hmm. observer. And there was a couple of those days last year where I felt like it was getting better. Jones was clicking. He had two really good days. Then Friday night wasn't that great. Yesterday they didn't really throw the ball. But today looked. I think this was the worst day Definitely. of camp. Like it wasn't even close, and it wasn't. just it, The problem is, you know, he gets all the attention, understandably. Uh, I didn't think it was as. I mean, the old line wasn't great today. The, the pass rushers giving them trouble all camp, but the receivers. It's just they are not on the same page still, and it's like it's funny. We, there's this kind of positive storyline going about how much freedom the receivers have in this offense which, okay, that's great, and especially maybe in year two and three and four, but, like, it's going to be ugly at times, and Kadarius Tony looked like he was kind of, like, not with it today, like, yeah. dropping balls. Like, I, I think when Jones had that snap where he got yanked, and there was certain, some sort of miscommunication on the play before where Dave will pull them out and put Tyrod in, which obviously no one will overreact to that. It seemed like after that, Jones went over to the wide receivers, and I think he was talking to Tony. you definitely talking to the wide receivers. Like, I think you're trying to get them on the same page because it just feels like – there has not been very good chemistry with him and the wide receivers all camp. And I think it's, you know, everyone says, oh, he's learning new offense. It's like they're all learning new offense. So it's not just on Jones. And it just does not feel like uh, they've been on the same page really consistently at all during camp.
1: What is, like, the idea with the, like you said, the receiving, the freelancing stuff sounds great in the offseason. Then you see it, it could be an issue. Um, and then, obviously, the first couple of weeks of camp would probably be the toughest times of it. But what what is it? Is it, pre, we've heard it's pre-snap that they're, you know, communicating with the QB that I'm going to do this. Is it, you know, post-snap with, you know, we're doing this leverage, or is it like, hey, we're I'm, I'm running a totally different route than that was scripted because yeah, of the safety did this or right.
2: something? I, I mean, it's been a little ambiguous, and obviously they guard stuff because they could stay secrets, but I don't think it's the last thing. I don't think it's like you have the freedom to just, you know, you're supposed to run a curl, but you're going to run a go because obviously that could be a disastrous. I think it's more that, you know, it's concepts, and you're supposed to get, you know, to the middle of the field, say, 12 yards down downfield, but how you get there is sort of up to you. Like if the corner's playing inside, you can do something, you know, put a little sauce on it, you know, whatever word a wide receiver wants to use to get there. Whereas the thing that they have said they didn't like in Jason Garrett's offense, was it was very, you know, you had to run what was written on the paper. There wasn't room for improvisation. You had to get to a certain point. And if, if the, the defense didn't give you that look, well, tough. You have to figure out a way here. They have a little more freedom, I think, just in terms of, you know, maybe the stem of the route, how they're going to do it. And that's because the thing that makes you really believe that's the case is you hear body language a lot. So I think that's where you, like, Daniel has to look like, okay, Kadarius is leaning this way, but he's going to come back this way. like And they have to know that. And, again, just talking about it sounds complicated. So you can imagine when there's a pass rush and you're, and you're new to this, you can understand why it's going to look ugly at times. And uh, I wasn't even here, but I still remember just that Gilbride offense, how that could produce some awful interceptions yeah. when Ruben Randall's running one, one yeah. route, Eli thought he was running something
0: else. Or you can have it with plaques where, you know, he gives Eli a look or he gives him a head nod and then they just have that chemistry yeah, so and that so
2: that's where you want to get to, but right. I, you can see there'll be some bumps along the way and that I think is definitely what they're experiencing and just you wonder how long that learning curve will take and even if Jones and this group of receivers is going to be the ones to master it uh, the, those yeah. are the kind of the big long term questions you have with this system.
0: You know and the thing I not to just stick with Jones because you can do so much talking on Jones but We've seen Jones hold on to the ball for a really long time and take sacks. We've seen Jones throw interceptions, and yeah, he's thrown interceptions, you know, so far this camp. But now what we've seen the last couple days, just flat out missing dudes, just flat out missing dudes. And you can give Daniel Jones a lot of criticism as a quarterback, but just missing dudes so much so often and by a lot, that's not something we've seen. So, I mean, ho- really what we're we're hoping it's kind of two things, right? Facing Wake Martindale's defense, which I feel like we've talked about, you know, a ton. And then also, you know, just, the lack of communication, lack of chemistry with the wide receivers and the new offense.
2: Yeah, and he just looks uncomfortable a lot. That's the yeah. thing, too. I mean, there's there's throws where he just doesn't look sure, or like you say, he's sailing a throw, like, like a little out to Bellinger on the sideline, and he like airmailed it, like stuff that's – he never really did that. Yeah. So that's where you're wondering, like, is too much going on in his head? And I don't know. I mean, again, it's it's so hard because you, know, you guys are here every day. I'm here every day. You try not to overreact to one day. But some of this stuff has kind of been recurrent. Yeah. And you say, oh, like oh, they'll just figure it out. Like, have, yeah. have we done that every summer the last however many years? Like, oh, don't worry. It's early. It's this, it's that. And then the product you saw all August carries over September and mm-hmm. October. So uh, that's that's definitely a legitimate concern. It, like, my thing is he just has not looked comfortable. Yeah. And you, I don't know. There's no – he's definitely going to – it's going to click someday. Maybe it just won't. I don't know. But it, it doesn't look great right now. And it's definitely a cause for yeah. concern. What
0: well, would help is getting reps in the preseason possibly. Um, now, Brian Dable, I think he's going to remain kind of ambiguous with this. He talked on Monday. He said he didn't even talk to the players about it yet. Where are you leaning? Do you think it's smart to to play these guys in the preseason right now.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I think he kind of let it slip because coaches always use that line with us. Like, I haven't even talked to the players yet, but oh. he did say, I'm going to play everybody. And then, oh, goes, yeah. and then he kind of was like, oh, I guess I should have t- uh, said that to the players for you guys. Um, but no, it sounds like they're going to play now. I think he said different guys, with different workloads. And so, I mean, I wouldn't think you're going to see the first team offense play a ton of snaps on Thursday night, but I do think they're all going to play, you know, at least every guy that's healthy, but you could definitely see a situation where, like, maybe Saquon gets one series. Maybe, maybe the whole starting offense gets one series. Yeah. But I think the offensive line... Daniel Jones, some of these receivers, receivers, I think they could they could stand to have a few reps. I mean, I know there's always injury risk, and if someone gets hurt, you're going to say it was a mistake. But So that's where you have to kind of get your opinion on the record now. Like, I'm fine with them playing all three preseason games. Again, you're going to yeah. manage the workload. Maybe the first one is the lightest one. The second one is you get more, and the third one you treat it like the old third preseason game, mm-hmm. play a half or even more. I think they need that because they are not a, a proven product. We clearly see they need the reps. And I think you, you mentioned earlier going against Wink's defense. I think it would be f- beneficial for them to see a little bit more of a vanilla defense. Yeah. It will be live, but it's a preseason game, so you're not going to see crazy exotic looks. So you can kind of work on your stuff in almost a more controlled atmosphere because here it's like I think their heads are swimming sometimes with some of the looks they're getting. They're not,
1: yeah, it, the defense has been insane, and they don't game plan. You know, right. play, play. I, Like you said, I think it's be a, a brush of air playing in the preseason where you can just face a four-man rush and like yeah, a regular a cover, cover two. two or something. Yeah. You know? because, but I, I will say on the flip side of the bad of the offense, and maybe it's because they're facing a bad offense, with worries about Wink, I think we were more worried about the defense going into camp than the offense. Um, do you think this defense, if these three, if those top three corners stay healthy, can actually be a solid unit because they look like they are just getting to the QB, whether it's Kayvon and uh, Leonard Williams beating their guy or just free rushers? I mean, it's it's really some you, you don't you don't notice how crazy Wink is until you see day in day out what he's running.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a seesaw balance too. When we were talking earlier about evaluating camp. It's like. If one side's doing really well, you say, "Oh, well, that side's really good," or is it maybe the other side's really bad? And that's—it's kind of almost impossible to know. I I judge it more on some guys are more known commodities. Like, I don't think that like Darnay Holmes is suddenly going to turn into an all-pro cornerback in year three. I think the fact that he made some plays early in camp was a little more alarming. Um, But I think Wink's scheme—it is well known that obviously he creates havoc. He's difficult to go against. so, and you saw in Baltimore, up until last year, when they really were decimated injuries, they were a great unit. So I would think, yes, that that unit probably could overachieve. I still think they're probably a few pieces away. Like, I'm not sold on Aaron Robinson. Like, you know, he's going against Kenny Galladay out here, and, and Kenny Galladay looks really stiff to me and and, and not really, um, you know, a great threat. Uh, I don't know. So, like, I am I would say I'm cautiously optimistic about the defense. I'm not saying, like, the reason why the offense is struggling because the defense is just so good. I do think Wink scheme it is a nightmare, but as you said, too, they're not game-playing against it. When you get into the season, other teams are going to have spent time game-playing. The looks won't be catching them quite as off guard. I mean, that is what he does. Um, but, no, I think there's definitely cause for optimism there, especially the pass rush. Leonard Williams looks like a beast. Dexter Lawrence looks as good as he's ever looked. You know, obviously there's optimism with Thibodeau. So there is definitely... Some cause for optimism with that defense, but I'm not sold that it's like they're just so dominant. And what we're seeing here is a precursor of how they're going to play all season. Yeah.
1: You mentioned three guys rushing the pass, but the fourth guy's been missing all camp with Azizo gelari Do you have any idea of like when he's supposed to be back, like the severity of it? Or are they playing it safe? Because it's just. You know, he's been in red for, you know, almost two weeks now.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've checked in on him uh, maybe Friday or Saturday. And the word I got is that he'd be ready to return to practice at some point this week. Now, with the game, I don't know how that timeline will exactly work out. You know, I'm sure they won't rush him out there tomorrow. But maybe I think the next practice after the game is until Sunday. I would think he'll be back by Sunday. I mean, it could be wrong by a day or two. Like, I don't think he's weeks away, put it that way. So, right. like, I think if, if they didn't have a game, maybe he'd be back sooner. But there's no sense rushing him to, what, go through warm-ups on Thursday next. he's obviously not going to play. I think you would. I would like to see, based on what I've heard, I would expect to see Sunday or at least early next week get him back on the field practicing. And then, you know, I don't know if he'd even be ready to turn around and play in the second preseason game. But I think you want him to be kind of full systems go by the third preseason game. Nothing I've heard has indicated that it's like this major Ellison Smith type deal where we're going to be talking about it. You know, two months into the season, I think he should be fine, and I think he'll be back sooner than later. You watch him on the side. He looks like he's moving pretty well, but they're definitely going to be cautious. There's certainly no benefit to rushing a guy back from a hamstring injury who's you know fairly well established. Uh, it's what August eighth or something like that. No need yeah. to rush right now.
0: Shane emphasized early on. Why have even been in his introductory press conference about finding a solution to the injuries, finding some sort of solution? Then lo and behold giant step on MetLife (laughs) Stadium field. Marcus McKeithen has a non-contact torn ACL. And McKeithen's like, hey, you could say that he's not an important player. He's an important player because you're the one who's been pointing out that every single day since then, every single practice that they've had, they're working out offensive linemen because they simply just need bodies. They need bodies at this point. So, is there anything that you've heard? And, I mean, I, I, I would hate if somebody asked this question to me because it's I, I think injuries are injuries. Uh, they're they're going to happen. And I would like to think that if John Mara and the Giants could do something about the field at MetLife, that they would spend the money and do it. But have you heard anything you know, in terms of Shane, the Giants front office, You know, what's happening in that building over there, about what they're doing about finding a root cause of these injuries and what's happening at MetLife?
2: Yeah, I mean, as far as MetLife, um, you know, that became a hot topic. It was like the 49ers, I think, was where they played the Jets and the yeah, Giants yeah. in like back-to-back weeks, and Shanahan was pretty vocal, which you don't usually hear that type of thing. So that definitely heightened it, and around that time, the Giants had a few of their own. But uh, it was a hot topic. Like you said Shane brought it up, and it was something they certainly need to get to the bottom of. Because I think it's been funny, like, Dable and Shane have talked about, like, you know how like the sports science staff, the athletic staff, all these staffs. Yeah, uh, are gonna, I don't
0: even know if they've changed any of they the any trainers. Of those people, no. so it's like
2: where it was just it was just Joe Judge, Ben McAdoo, Pat Shermer. All these guys were doing things wrong, and, and so that that was why I'm a little skeptical. Like, are we sure um, that that those people are in the right roles? You've made a lot of changes. Have made any there? I will say, I think Buffalo. This is anecdotal. Like, has been a fairly healthy team, and you can see that Brian Dable definitely. Um, had a very measured approach in the spring and a ramp up here. You know, these last couple of days have been the first couple of days of camp that really felt like camp. Yeah. Like yeah. Very physical, ton of reps, uh, the running sprints, even that, that little, you know, little bit of that they've done. Um, but no, I they, there's no, like no one has come on like, Oh, we've discovered the problem. I think it's, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it. But as far as the turf that came up at the owner's meeting, we asked John Mayer about it. And let's be honest, like, his opinion is like one of the only few that really matters because if they're going to, you know, rip that up, it's going to, you know, it's going to be him and yeah. Jets ownership. Yeah. Maybe the league would have to step in, but I guess that, you know, they're passing the tests every week, the, the fields go under tests and, and they're passing that. Uh, but John Maris said, you know, there's been studies that field turf it's, it's no greater frequency or their, their mm-hmm. field turf is no greater frequency than other field turf. So if he's okay with it, you know, I don't think anything's going to change. Yeah. And, you know, again, a little bit's anecdotal, but I mean, they obviously do have people doing these studies and I'm, it's their product on the field. So whatever money it would cost to replace that field, if you can assure Blake Martinez is ACL and all these right. guys ACL, uh, it would be worth it to do it. So, I mean, apparently they don't have the same concerns that, you know, we do on the outside just in terms of like it seems uh, like yeah. it's more often, but maybe it's not.
0: Yeah.
1: Ricky Seals Jones hasn't practiced since day one, I think. Andre Miller looked like he was going to make the team, then he fractured his forearm. Scoop? You a scoop? Yeah, Ooh. yeah, per, per source. <laughs> um, Poor sauce. Pick your three tight ends to make their roster right now because it's kind of funny when you do it. <sighs> yeah. It was funny before Andre Miller, but now it's even more so. I mean,
2: it's it, it's so. That, I, mean like, I don't think it's the most important position group because you know, whatever, I don't think it's going to be part of this offense, but it's the worst position group. You might not have like a legitimate NFL player. I mean, I know people... The Daniel Bellinger hype train got a little carried away in the spring, and he—I hes legitimate. Same
1: athletic. RAS score as Travis Kelsey. Has been <laughs> yes, to us. that oh, huge. Anytime I say he's not the most athletic guy, I get that tweeted at me. All,
2: all I need to know about the RAS scores is that fact, because I mean, you see him—I would not say he's a dynamic no. athlete. I mean, he's, again, he might be a fine player. Like I compared him to Kevin Boss as like a ceiling ish. Yeah, and that's, yeah. That's, that's fine. That's not that's talking about what George. I want. Out of my yeah, program. exactly. Let's not talk about George Kittle and, and Travis Kelsey, but. Uh, so, I mean, he's obviously one guy, and like I said, I mean, I say not legitimate NFL tight end. All signs are he will be, but obviously we don't know. Uh, beyond that, I mean, I assume if Ricky Seals-Jones just comes back and has a pulse, he'll make the team. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's been very strange because Dable doesn't give anything on injuries, but usually you can just kind of deduce it, whether a guy's running on the side or the guy's, you know, working a certain body part on the side. We haven't seen Ricky Seals-Jones, so I don't know what's going on there. Like, so maybe that's a long-term thing, but, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. But let's just say him, and and then I don't know that last spot. I would have thought it probably Andre Miller. Maybe it's Jeremiah Hall because they just want an H back type guy. Um, You know, I don't know Chris Myrick or Chris Myrick is making a strong comeback. You had that playoff experience with the Bengals, but like like I said (laughs) after the scrimmage,
1: it seems like it's going to be Bellinger, Miller, and Chris Myrick, and then you know then the the Miller. Yeah. So
2: yeah, Myrick. Yeah, I guess we're talking two tight end sets. I guess you had to put Myrick in it for now. And then, again, you would assume that yeah, he Jones. If he comes yeah. back at a point, can can win that job. And I think, you know, Hall's not a lock or anything. But if they want that type of guy right. and body type, yeah. he's the only one left now, you know, with with Miller's injury. But, yeah, I mean, th- I don't think the tight end is going to be a big part of this offense regardless. So I'm not saying it doesn't matter and, and you definitely need them uh, to block in the run game. But I think that they're going to be, like, the fifth option on a lot of these, you know, routes. And the, the offense is going to funnel through Saquon on the wide receivers. And it's not going to be like, oh, Evan Ingram, we got to get this mismatch down the seam. Like, that, yeah. those days are over. That's not the type of offense I think they're trying to run.
1: Yeah, you've seen Bellinger get almost no targets um, so far through camp. But so, like, yeah, like you said, the, the main thing I'm watching for Bellinger come Thursday is how well does he block in the NFL compared to at San Diego State? Because that's going to seems like it's going to be his main role yeah. on the team.
0: All right, before we mess around, we talk about some, some Tony Award stuff. Um, I respect you, Dan Duggan. I Parti- <laughs> Partially because you're a guy that you know not only talks about, oh, did Daniel Jones have a good day? Did the offense have a good day? Defense have a good day, et cetera. But tendencies, behaviors, what people are doing. So are there certain observations that you've had of camp so far about how certain people are behaving, how players are behaving, et cetera, et cetera, that you want to know?
2: Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I guess I have to look back to my own practice reports because, you know, like, the observations are fast yeah. and furious in those. Um, yeah, no, I try to uh, see beyond just, like, what happens in the 11-on-11 11 11 snaps. Like, I think it's just very clear that this coaching staff is – I do not say going out of their way. I mean, I think this is who Dable is, but they are very – Players, coaches, like the, everything yeah. is—it's a lot more relaxed than Joe Judge. I mean, John Feliciano said, "Except Bobby Johnson, <laughs> exactly." Um, Feliciano, I asked him, like, you know what have you noticed different about Dave? The guy's been around a little bit, and he's like well we get to sleep in. We don't, you know, our day doesn't start yeah. till nine a.m.' Like that's like what? I mean, you know, in the NFL world—that's crazy to have, a, you know. So very, and again, I, that can have a negative connotation. I'm not—it's kind of neutral to me, but it's just different. Like he's—it's—it's yeah. it's not grinding these guys in the dirt. I mean, I will say the last two days have felt a little more like old school. Like, this is the practices, scripts he probably got from Bill Belichick, less than, you know, whoever new age people he was talking to or learning from. Because, um, like, I know a guy who's, you know, a big big part of you guys' show and your brand is Tony. I, I watch him a lot. And he's kind of doing like he they have him and Kenny Galladay like, on their own program. Like it's special teams and they have like twelve guys back there returning punts. And Tony isn't even among that group. He goes over and it's just him and Galladay and Mike Rowe and and they're working on things or then in the individual periods, like he's doing stuff with the running backs for a couple of snaps. Like so that's interesting to me. That like they are very much like always kind of keeping tabs on him, keeping him involved. Like he's not really standing around kind of left to his own devices. They always seem to have a structure for him. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a guy who I know you guys are very high on. I I just I have low expectations long-term. I think you're going to see the sparks that you saw last year at times. I just have a hard time believing he's going to, like, week in, week out, be a reliable uh, – I think you're going to see plays this year where there's going to be interceptions where you say, what the heck happened there? And Daniel Jones will get up to the podium like, oh, yeah, you know, we were on the same page, and I think, you know, 89 might play a role in that. I don't know, that's just my prediction. I, I don't know that um, – he just flipped that switch. I haven't seen that yet. Um, I think the talent is undeniable. He's been healthy. They've definitely managed on this camp. That's been a good thing. Uh, but he's a guy who I still have some questions about if he's totally, uh, you know, taking that step in his his uh, professionalism, maturity, yep. all that stuff. So uh, he's a guy I watch a lot out here. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's funny. Like, people are like, oh, what's different about practice? Like, uh, this is my, I guess, fourth head coach. They all kind of run the same stuff. It's stretch. It's special teams, indie, team periods. Like nothing to me is like drastically different, other than I would just say, like that kind of atmosphere. Um, and a lot of times it's the new coach is different from the old coach, whereas Judge was very like intense and in the sprints and stuff. And then this is just feels um, kind of the other end of the spectrum a yeah. lot of ways,
1: which is which is kind of par for the course. We're gonna clip that Tony conversation and tweet it or send it to Coach Steph Brown, Tony, and then Danny <laughs> Boy Hustle Hard, so we could see.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I just walked myself. You didn't even ask me about that. I just walked myself into that minefield. But I just, uh, I, I know, I know. I mean, I got the awards. I'm so
0: good. I, I'm good at what I do, Dan. <laughs> uh, uh, just left it that
1: open ended Well, <laughs> well I, even I, even <laughs> you say we're Tony guys, we got into it with his trainer, so they definitely have an edge to them about any sort of criticism. Um, Here's
2: that, what I want. Here's what I want. One time this camp. I want him not to be like the 14th wide receiver in a drill. I know that's like a crusty old person observation. I haven't observed that. So watch. That's a, oh, there you go. Watch I'm this. Wide watch receiver that. drills. Like <laughs> you, you, you want that scrappy guy to be first in line. Let me show you. How, like. Always hanging in the back. These are just little things that you observe. Seven years, right. it's, yeah. It's I, you know So like, coaches like. May, they like to see you first in maybe, line. Maybe beat Alex Bachman to, to get you know that mm. rep. You know, but get does that. he
0: stretch at least? The, Kenny Galladay doesn't just stretch. Never yeah. stretches.
2: It's funny. We don't never. A, I don't have a great vantage point on the stretch. And you guys have the elevation, so they they kind of did it weird. Now it's like they're bunched together. So I I, I saw you tweeted that. They can't, and that's it's that's continuously great. he just doesn't stretch. Just <laughs> and that's great for a guy who has you know the injury history. Because it's funny. There are certain guys who don't like. DRC never stretched. He literally just danced the whole time. Yeah. But then he was just a freak athlete, yeah. and it didn't matter. But like, I think Kenny could probably use a little like, you know, touch the toes, get the hamstrings loosened yeah. up. Like, he could probably stand to do a little. I awesome. I'll have to, I'll have to look out for that. That's a good observation. Mm-hmm. I have a nose. I don't know if Kadarius does. It probably probably goes through the motion. Him and
0: him and Richie James are good friends. They they they're dapping each other up warm okay. warmups right. and stuff like that. So, so we're they're on, fun.
1: We're on the Tony topic. You obviously won the inaugural Tony Award. You didn't have to kiss our ass at all because we just created it the week that we did the voting on it. Yeah, you know, kind of a spinoff of the Good Guy Award, um, kind of. So, you're—I don't know if we're going to put you a part of the committee, but I want to ask your opinion okay. since you're—you know—you're the, the inaugural winner. We're thinking about changing the voting system because it's—it's—it's it's, it's named specifically. Not sure if you're a good guy, but Best Giants Beat Reporter uh, uh, Award presented by Tony, Kadarius Tony presented by Talking Giants. You can see it's a mouthful. <laughs> We're thinking about changing the voting system to where it's not a first, second, and third, okay, but just the most first place votes, because you know you could see a guy hey, like may not be the like you, you see a lot of guy getting like hey I, I like this guy even though he may not be my favorite reporter. So mm. do you think we should go to just first place or the first, second, and third? Because
2: last year was first, second, and third. Yes, and I I killed everybody. I think every- you probably <laughs> got the most
1: first place votes anyway, so you don't have to stress about. Uh,
2: that. Well, no, I mean I think I think what you've done is really um, you know a high standard we've the exact same uh, rules the PFWA chapter does. So how, how do we do We do first, second, and third, I think. I right? have no
1: clue how I you do it. I think
2: we do first, second, and third. So okay. I think that's the, that's the established way to, to do it. I don't think you want to veer from the very distinguished award. We'll
1: stick by the rules. We'll stick by and the I rules. must
2: say, my, my four-year-old daughter is very proud also very confused. She's like, why did you get a trophy from, from work? <laughs> like she's, She thinks it's cool, but she does, does not quite wrap her mind around it. And It's very hard to explain to a for my wife, just tell her you just won the best Giants <laughs> beat reporter. Okay, award. all right.
0: I am. I am the best.
1: Um, are you thinking about putting your weight behind a candidate? I mean, it, it, I mean, Jordan had us on his podcast. He gives.
2: Yeah, he's a, he's uh, like campaigning. Oh right? he, yeah. brought, he brought cookies over here. I think. Yeah, he, did. <laughs> he is flat cookies, out campaigning.
0: Yeah, um, Oatmeal raisin. That's all right. Oh, well, I think you
2: should hold that against them.
0: <laughs> they were so good.
1: You, you could put your weight behind one of the heavy hitters, or you can be like you know blaze your own trail, and you know maybe someone that's not you know not when the front running. Do you? Well, have I mean,
2: a... I'll say like being the inaugural winner means that much more to me because as you said, I didn't have any time to campaign. I never met you guys before today. It was kind of fun to just keep you as like internet. And we've personality. been in the same
1: places at the the senior. The bowl senior
2: bowl was the one I was gonna. I was actually gonna go find you guys. Sure. No, and this is what happened. <laughs> I was sitting in the bleachers talking to somebody, and I, and I saw you guys filming, so I figured out where you were. I was like, going to go over and talk to them at some point here. And then the lawsuit happened. And then the Brian Flores lawsuit <laughs> showed up on my phone, and I was like, this is like a joke, right? And then as I started reading it. I was like, oh, it's very much not a joke. And then uh, I had to obviously go go right on that, and the next day I think it rained, so it, I never got up. But so this oh. is the first time I met you guys, which is... Uh,
0: would would not want to have it any other way. Also, how we're <laughs>
2: different from, you know,
1: like, we stay in our lane. We give, you know, you guys are in your we're lane. We're
0: interviewing people in vans, too. That,
1: well, like, the Senior Bowl, like, you guys go out at night. You make connections. like oh. You know, people like, Joe Shane's at this bar. And part of we were like, should we go to that? No. Instead, we just went to some, you know, hole in the wall, smoking cigarettes inside. <laughs> yep. Singing karaoke till 2 a.m. bar. Yeah, because, like, you know what? We're not going to go and, you know, harass Joe you know, no, network. No, and, and network. We just want to go have a good time after watching Senior Bowl. Okay. Like, so.
2: Um, wow. but to, to back to your question, I, I, will certainly not put my weight behind anybody. I mean, I know the rule that we have is you can't win back to back, but mm. I mean, I just with, that's from you guys. I too. know. I know. So, I mean, I just have to sit this one out and see who I have to defeat next year, basically, I guess, because awesome. I mean, obviously I think, I think my new colleague, Zach Rosenblatt would have been, um, potential leader in the clubhouse, but now he's obviously gone to the dark side covering the jets for the athletic I don't know who who is the early I mean is Jordan's campaigning paying off you think? I think it's between Art and If it goes to the
1: first place just the first place which is looking like I think Jordan will have a better chance because Art. everybody likes Art so Art even, mm. even if even they don't have this first he's going to get a lot of second and third place mm-hmm. votes so I think yeah. the favorite is still Art Stapleton yeah, well, right now some people
2: take Jordan which yeah is yeah Jordan's going to get yeah. a lot of first place votes but he'll also <laughs> get
1: he'll get you know no votes at all right right so um, what are you
2: going to do trophy wise do I get this is my trophy right yeah, yeah we'll create a new okay, trophy all right
1: um, maybe we'll put Like inscribe your name On the back or something Fair enough Spend the extra five bucks
2: mm. It'll end up being like The Stanley Cup Be able to like add a layer As, as you on. Yeah and... You know
1: we'll be 50 years old Still doing this stupid <laughs> joke Of course Um, <laughs> So we'll, we'll, we'll see it, It'll be interesting You know we said the, the guy that from Whoever comes in Fills that role Like write an article About Talking Giants As a whole And yes. how it started mm. That could it's be True because you know, i mean zach went from you know nobody to well not nobody but like <laughs> brand new harsh to second place so because yeah. he wrote about Docking giants yeah yeah like he did and he, snacks he, his tattoo you know, he, he did he uh did some favors for us so <laughs> anyways that's it for an interview dan duggan of the athletic go follow him uh at at d duggan 21 you got it you shared some high school basketball clips and i, remember, I was like okay that makes sure sense why 21, got 21. yeah i mean
2: i've had that twitter handle since like 2009 and it's just can't change it now subscribe
1: can't. to the athletic you can read his stories you can even read Zach's every once in a while too so all right dan we
2: appreciate you all right thanks guys
1: finished the duggan interview but we forgot to get his record prediction so you got 30 seconds to give your record prediction
2: i think i put 5 and 12 in print after the schedule can't say anything i've seen out here this summer has swayed me so i'm gonna stick with 5 and 12
1: i think that's the lowest so far we've got a, like one nine win in there so nine
2: are you are into a T it
1: no see, <laughs> even though he's our best friend now we haven't so all right, that's Dan Duggan, 5-12. and 12. Better than last year? We got four wins last year? Yeah. All right, so progress. <laughs> All right, thanks again, Dan Duggan, for coming on the podcast. Turn big league action to the big winnings with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in Major League Baseball. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any game and get $100 in free bets instantly. Plus, all customers can combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings same-game parlays. At DraftKings Sportsbook, you'll be able to bet on your favorite batter to hit a double in his next plate appearance, your favorite pitcher's next pitch to be a strike, and so much more. Uh, you know, bet on the Mets. The Mets are, like, really good right yeah, now. Yeah, they're fun. Jacob Degrom's back, so just bet on the Mets. I'm,
0: I think I may be going to the Met game Friday night.
1: I'm actually thinking about betting on the Giants. Actually, I'm not thinking. San Francisco Giants? I, I bet on the New York Giants to win. And the over parlay for Thursday. Oh, huge. Do it. I I hope it hits. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY. New customers can make any $5 bet and get $100 in free bets instantly. That's promo code JOHNBOY only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in Major League Baseball. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and will be trademarks used with permission. All right. We're going to go through—usually what we do is we do our preseason players to watch, mm-hmm. um, which we're going to do a form of that, but I think we should do our preseason things to watch. You know, instead yes. of doing five guys. So we'll, we'll both do two for this preseason game. Brian Dable did say that they're going to play all their guys. Obviously, I wouldn't expect Kadarius Tony to get the same amount of reps as Shane Lemieux but you know all their guys are going to play and I think that's important we talked about it with Dan Duggan especially on the offensive end like these guys need to face something different than Wink Martindale and they just need the most they need live they need live bullets just working this offense yep. now with Daniel Jones being sacked you know like that matters it it, it's, it makes a, such a big difference when you're you know not being sacked on practice versus like hey you got to get rid of this ball or it's a sack and this drive is most likely over sacks are drive killers so uh, they, defi- they definitely need that, even though they're not going to see the most exotic stuff. They'll see less exotic stuff than what they're seeing in practice, essentially. Yep. All right, my first thing I'm going to look for, though, is Daniel Bellinger's blocking. It's actually looked fairly good in training camp so far. But that's, that was my biggest... Like, he's not going to be a huge part of the receiving game in the regular season. He might have a game or two, but he's, he's, you know, he's, not, so, he's not very athletic where he's making plays. You know, we see in practice he's not being targeted... A ton and, and usually and a lot of times goes a whole practice with the first team not being targeted at all. Um, in fact I think I would like him to be used more as a check down valve with some of the issues we've seen with the offense. So I would like to see him more involved in the receiving game as camp and and, and practice goes along. But his blocking is what's gonna decide how good of a rookie season he has. Yeah. You know, not not his receiving stats, his blocking. Because he's looked good in practice, but Blocking in practice and blocking at San Diego State is a whole nother level. And if he can walk into the NFL and be a solid blocker, like that's a huge win already with Daniel Bellinger. And whatever he adds receiving, you know, receiving wise, is you the know, cherry on top. Round pick is the cherry on top. Yeah. So Daniel Bellinger's blocking is something I'm really looking forward to. And again, I'm not looking for him to be perfect. Like if he has some horrible blocking rep, I'm not going to overreact to that. I'm going to look at as a whole. Is he sustaining his block? Not is he you know dominating guys, but is he just sustaining his block to allow them to run the ball? Yeah, and I think that's been a difference a little bit too, as we've seen the Giants' offense run the ball. So Daniel Bellinger's blocking is the first thing that I'm looking for in this preseason game.
0: All right, cool, good thing to watch out for. Um, first thing I'm watching out for Daniel Jones. No, no, we're not going to do the obvious. <sighs> no, things. yeah, I mean, of course, yeah, Daniel Jones how comfortable does he look but uh, I'm also looking to see how comfortable does Saquon Barkley look like he has looked you know I'm saying this kind of you know between my teeth you know knowing that uh you know I'm a little I'm a little hesitant on Saquon Barkley but you know, we've seen him in practice. He's looked good. He's running north and south. He's hitting the hole hard. He's look, he looks explosive, right? I think it's very different in the game. I think looking good in practice and then looking good in, in some sort of simulated game, uh, I think those two things are very different, especially for running backs. So is Saquon Barkley, even if he gets a series or two and some other starters get some longer periods of time, is Saquon Barkley hitting the hole hard? If there is a hole there, is he getting four or five yards? Is he being efficient? Does he break off a big run? I mean, that would be, <laughs> I'm not complaining about that either. So, first thing I'm looking up for is Saquon Barkley. How explosive does he look? How efficient is he? Yeah, two
1: things with Barkley is, one, like you said, if there's an opportunity to break one big, does he have the burst? Yeah. You know, we saw in his biggest That'd run. That'd be cool. We saw his biggest run last year was week two versus Washington. And part of you like, yeah, that's a 50, like a 48-yard run. But Didn't part, look of me, part, awesome. of, part of me <laughs> thinks old Saquon breaks this for seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, like you mentioned, how does he hit the hole? Because he's been hitting the hole in practice, but practice can be very different. You, know, you don't have the stress of if this doesn't work, you know, uh, you know, this plays over. So it's not just hitting some wide open hole, but when it's a, when it's a slim hole, yeah. and if you hit that hole hard, you're going to get three yards. But if you're hesitant – you're gonna get zero yards or negative one yards, and you're looking to bounce and make a home run out of it. That's what I'm looking for out of Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Is like you said, getting more north and south when it matters. Okay, we don't need him to be north and south when the hole is wide open. Any running back can do that, but when that hole is not very big and there's three yards, and, and you know you're tempted to be Saquon Barkley, the superstar, and try and cut it back or dance and maybe try and break one, bounce it outside. Do you hit that hole and get those three yards? Because that's what we need, Saquon Barkley. To be, to be, you know, like be at his best. Because yep. guess what? When you're doing that, the long ones are going to come to you. Don't force the big plays; let them come to you. So that's something I'm looking for. With and sequels.
0: especially if this passing offense is going to continue to struggle and not be on the same page, could be running the ball a lot to start the season.
1: Next thing, a guy who hasn't gotten much run with, like, the, no run with the first team and and limited with the second team, Michael McFadden. Like, Darian Beavers is ahead of him on the depth chart right now. There's no doubt about that. And the Giants put out their unofficial depth chart, and he's ahead of him, but although he was drafted two rounds later. But I've, I think Micah McFadden could be one of those players who will look better in games than practice. Like, he just seems yeah. of, like, a, like a gamer, where he's playing with his instincts, and it comes to him a little quicker. You know, and there's, there's guys like that. There's guys who just play, but they're just better in, in games than they are practice. And I think... McFadden could be one of those guys so I'm I'm interested to see if McFadden is a playmaker you know uh how you know do I want to see him hold up well when he's you know when they're running up the a gap and he's got to face a guard or a center yeah am am I looking for him to do well in that but I want to see how well does he do when they stretch it outside and and how well does he transition into coverage so uh Micah McFadden does he does his his game translate better to the the game than practice because you know that's how Ryan Conley started getting the noise going. Is and, yeah, when he actually those, saw him, yeah. Yeah, in those preseason games, he started playing really well. And then uh, when they gave him some game action uh, in 2019, then he started playing well. So, uh, And then he got cut by the next regime coming off of the injury after never playing in a game. So... Uh, how well does you know Michael McFadden play is something I'm looking for.
0: Yeah, when you tell Michael McFadden to go and play full speed, you know I, I can easily see him being the type of player that looks better in a game versus practice because he plays with that go 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 mentality at Indiana. So I'm excited to watch him. Uh, my second thing. what you reading that? Oh, way to interrupt me there, real quick. Before we talk about my second thing to watch out for, you got to watch out for Roman. Listen, I mean this Giants offense. They're struggling, right? They're struggling. Can we talked about that with Dan Duggan? They're not. Daniel Jones doesn't feel confident. The Giants' offense doesn't feel confident. The Wide receivers are not feeling confident. But you want to know how you can feel confident, especially when you're talking about in bed. You're talking about being with your significant other. You gotta get with Roman. Roman T support. It's meant to help men. It's help. Ugh, it's meant to help. Men maintain their body's natural testosterone production. Roman T-Support, its propri- proprietary supplement, is formulated by Roman's in-house doctors. You can't find this blend any. Where else? Roman offers flexible monthly plans with two-day shipping, and it's discreet. Love the two-day shipping. It gets to you quick. It also helps you get up quick. You know what I'm saying, Bobby Skinner? I want you to go to GetRoman.com slash world today. If you're approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of Roman tea support. That's GetRoman.com slash world. Talk of Giants versus the world. Go do that Today. Don't be like the Giants offense. Be confident. Be Roman ready. Get roman.com slash world. Thank you to Roman. All right. What's the last thing you're looking for in the preseason game versus the Patriots? Yeah, the last thing that I'm looking forward to is, or I'm looking out for, I don't know if I'm looking forward to it. I hope somebody who is in the backup secondary is going to surprise me and is going to wow me. Uh, Rodarius Williams, he was out of practice on Sunday. I don't know if I saw him out there on Monday's practice. I'll keep an eye out for it on Tuesday. But Rodarius Williams on the first unofficial depth chart was the backup outside corner. So we know what Rodarius can be. We know what he kind of should be. You know, uh, a man coverage corner that was drafted a little bit on the older side, right? We got him last year. But like Khalil Dorsey, you're a backup slot corner. You know, can you make a play? Darren Evans, Zion Gilbert, I think both outside guys, Michael Jaquette, um, you know, uh, Gavin Heslop, uh, Nathan Meadows, Gerard Wilson, some of these guys that are in the secondary were literally, I had to look at the Giants roster to look up their names because I just don't know who these guys are. And the secondary is literally an Adoree Jackson or Aaron Robinson or Darnay Holmes from going down. And the concept and the vision and the expectations of this defense i think drastically changes so can a backup secondary player whether it is a safety or a corner can they stand out for us
1: yeah and, and the defense has really shined it's been fun to watch in practice uh, but also it's one cornerback injury like you said away from being a total like a disaster, disaster. Uh, like <laughs> a total disaster so uh that's definitely something to watch here's something i'm gonna throw on the list something to watch
0: on thursday please please do Joe Judge. Wow, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing Joe Judge. I think the Giants telecast and the Giants broadcast, so we're going to be watching that because we're going to be live streaming from the John Boy Media office. The Giants are going to avoid him like the plague. On they the are? TV. I think they're going to show him a little bit. I think the Giants broadcast is going to show Joe Judge more than the Patriots broadcast. You think so? That's my theory because I think
1: that's a storyline. I mean, I'll be, I'll be looking for every interaction he has, um, so that'll – That'll be interesting, but you know, I don't hate Joe Judge, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing his face. Like yeah. you know, like if I see his face on TV with from Patriots, I'm like, oh, there's there's Joe. Yeah, Judge. I'm not gonna
0: have. We're, we're yeah. I think you should know us by now. We're not gonna have this vitriol reaction. Like,
1: oh, get off the TV. Yeah, <laughs> like when
0: Jason Garrett shows up on the halftime show, I want to like, vomit. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: I'll be editing podcasts anytime. Pre-game of Sunday Night Football. Speaking of which, you know Jason, you know Patrick Graham's preseason defense was like pitching a shutout. Oh and yeah, Jason Garrett doing the halftime show. So. Mm, that tells that tells you where, where, where what happened there. All right, so we appreciate you guys. We will be back uh, tomorrow for a player profile and projection, uh, and and live uh, live streaming training camp recap. So we appreciate you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, let's go Big Blue.